think sometimes people think it's like normal to feel tired or sluggish or bloated after a meal. And it's like, it's not, right? So it's like figuring out a way that you actually feel energized and you feel good after a meal is like everything. And, you know, like I sometimes like people ask me, it's like, what, I don't have any issues. Like, why would I change? And it's like, well, you might be only at like your 50% of feeling good. You don't even know the other 50% of how much better you can feel because you've never been there, but it doesn't mean it's not there. It's so I always just advise people like, don't let it come that far that you actually have health issues. Right? Like listen to those smaller signs earlier on. Welcome to Nutrition Without Compromise, a podcast brought to you by Orlo Nutrition. We believe that nutrition shouldn't be an either or, that you should never have to sacrifice your morals for your health or that of our home planet. Join natural products veteran Karina Belizzi and experts from around the globe as they discuss healthy solutions that are better for you and better for the planet. Welcome to another interview episode of Nutrition Without Compromise. As we enter the fall season, a whole new world of dietary choices becomes available. And while some of us may miss the stone fruits and melons of summer, sweet potatoes, squash, beans, soups, and stews emerge with the cooling weather. The simple fact is that many doctors and nutritionists advise that we adapt our diets and shift with the seasons. When we do, we'll expand our palates, develop better habits, and have a more diverse nutrition profile and microbiome too. One such advocate is Dr. William Lee, who you've heard on this show a few times before, specifically around his work with Eat to Beat Disease and his newer book, Eat to Beat Your Diet. And Dr. Lee also happened to have written the foreword to a great new cookbook by Crystal DeGroote and Michael Cooch. It's called Your Super Life, 100 Plus Delicious Plant-Based Recipes made with nature's most powerful superfoods. And I've got my copy right here. I'm thrilled today to have Crystal DeGroote with me to talk about this book and her approach to attain that super life. Crystal DeGroote, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, I've been interested in your work for some time. And through our mutual connection to Dr. Lee, in a way, he kind of turned me on to this book. So I would just love for you, as I've given this kind of brief intro into getting back into the kitchen and the importance of real nutrition and real food, for you to talk a little bit about this history that you have in the natural foods industry and what landed you here today with this new work with your super life. Yeah, it's your super life doesn't even feel like something new. I think it's something that has been like brewing for like the 10 years that we also have been building your super. It's something that we're extremely passionate about really how we, how we lived, you know, live our life. And that really started 10 years ago, actually a very personal story. My now husband and boyfriend, Michael, he was 24 and he had cancer and he had testicular cancer. And that was such a turning point in our lives where, you know, like I kind of was always this health nut already. And yes, he went through chemo, but it's like afterwards, right? Where yes, you're cancer free, but he was anything but healthy. That's kind of where the door opened. And I was like, okay, it's time to rebuild, right? Yeah. Right. Really to like really have his immunity back and to really actually truly be healthy again. And I think 
what I've learned also from my own story, I had eczema growing up and I really learned from a very young age, you know, like if I eat A, I get rash. If I eat B, I don't get a rash. It's like what you eat truly influences and impacts your body. And there's so much we can do with nutrition. And along the journey, so I watched the movie Forks Over Nice when he was going through cancer, right? And they talk about like how you can reduce your risk of cancer by eating a plant-based diet. So the next day I was like, okay, I'm plant-based. And that is this year, 10 years ago, and I'm still plant-based. And that's really the result of this book, Your Super Life, right? This is how we eat. This is how we live our lives. This is how we stay healthy. And that's all in the book. It's not just a cookbook. Yes, there are delicious, delicious recipes in there, but it's also the pillars of the, your super way of eating, like our journey and just tips for people on like, where to get started. Because what we've learned over the years, you know, with your super, we obviously had the superfood mixes, but people were always like, okay, but so... How do I make a smoothie? How do I make an oatmeal? Like, oh, but what do you have for dinner? Right. So we always got those questions. And that's really where we're like, hey, we let's just write it down. And I don't think that cooking has to be complicated. I don't think healthy eating has to be complicated because I often think it's actually going back to very simple ingredients, fresh ingredients, and making sure we just eat a ton of fruit and vegetables. Whether you're plant-based or not, everyone needs to eat more fruit and vegetables because nine out of 10 people don't. And that's, I think, is a crazy shocking number. Now, you went plant-based 10 years ago. And at the time, were you already living in the United States or were you in your native, I believe you're from the Netherlands, is that correct? Yeah, I'm Dutch. I was living at the time in London, actually. And yeah, I watched this movie. With, I was doing my master program and yeah, I was like very young, 22, 20, yeah, 22, actually. I watched this movie and it was just such a click, right? Where my mom had cancer when I was young in like my teenage years. And then Michael then had cancer. And I just felt like if there's anything I can do to reduce my risk, I'll do it. And you said it was called Fork Something? Forks Over Nice. Yeah, it's a great one. Obviously, Game Changers is a great one too. What the Health is a great one. There's some great documentaries out there to, you know, to just start learning. And But don't be intimidated, right? Like, don't feel like you need to go. I went cold turkey. Michael didn't, right? For everyone's journey is different. So I always just say, like, focus on just start eating more plants. And maybe for some people, it looks like I first just change breakfast. For some people, it's like, hey, it's only like one or two days a week that I do it. And then I, you get used to it. It's an adjustment <laughs> when I turn plant-based. First month, I didn't really know what to eat. I think I only ate hummus, zucchini, roasted eggplant. And after about a month, I was like, I need to change things up because this is not going to be sustainable. Yeah. Well, coming from the Netherlands, from Holland, dairy is such an important part of culture and life. And I think people can appreciate that in different regions, it's almost like there are these animal products that you're just expected to eat. That's part of the plate. And it can be harder to eat on a plant-based or purely vegan diet in those cases. So how did you find that transition? Yeah. I mean, I think 10 years ago, I was still a little weird. I would say nowadays it's a little bit more accepted and it's a little easier but I think for me, maybe also a little bit my personality, I didn't care as much what other people thought. And from a younger age, because I had eczema, I sometimes was not allowed to eat, for example, processed sugar or certain things that I knew actually would give me more rash. So I think it was something that I was, I felt comfortable with, like being different than others. And that was just you know, what worked for me. And I think as I went further and further in the journey, I would say like a year in, a, my eczema like almost disappeared. At this point, like, I mean, after two, three years, it was gone. Like nobody can look at me now and said, oh, this girl has really bad eczema. I had eczema for 25 years with 
really bad periods where I could literally not take a shower because my skin was so dry and would just like fall off and was so painful. So I think for me that, and then the second piece is like for me, my mental health of just the clarity and how good I actually just started to feel mentally, which I didn't expect at all necessarily to happen. I was like, oh, this really works for me. So it's something that to me, that was all more valuable than maybe the piece of cheese or the piece of fish or whatever it is. And what I did do, if I ever had a craving, was like, oh, I really feel like a piece of, I, I think I had a couple of weird things. Like I really liked the sushi with salmon and avocado. I would sometimes just eat a couple pieces and then I would just see how I would feel afterwards. A, what I learned is that the craving Often you make it way bigger in your head than it actually is, and you taste it, and you're just kind of like, oh, is that it? Because your taste buds change too, right? So it's like, it's so interesting to just sometimes just taste it again. And then over time, I mean, it didn't make me feel good, didn't actually taste as good as I thought it did. And you just like, you just start to feel better and better. Or I started to feel just so much better and better. And I was like, okay, this is it. This is, and I want to, you know, it's, I think it's a continuous journey. I think. Even within plant-based living, I'm always like figuring out, okay, what is it that my body needs and what is it that works for me now? And it has been really interesting even going, you know, through pregnancy or postpartum, your body sometimes needs very different things. And also, by the way, seasons where you talked about too, right? What you sometimes crave in the summer versus in the winter is going to be different. And I think that's really important to recognize and to really learn to listen to your body again and to really eat intuitively. I'm so glad that you brought up a couple of things. I want to step back for a moment. You actually have a TED talk that specifically focuses on your dysmenorrhea, the painful periods that you experienced, and the fact that you were doing something differently at your life, your super, specifically asking people to take things like a moon day when they were having some of these symptoms, because, well, in our healthcare system in the United States, and around the globe too, we don't necessarily think about the pain that many women go through on a monthly basis. And I don't find it at all surprising that in your experience, when you transition to a plant-based diet, that you saw some of these symptoms disappear, like eczema or like painful periods, because these are tied up with inflammatory prostaglandins, leukotrienes, and cytokines, which sometimes can be very prevalent in your diet because you have the stimulation coming from arachidonic acid or from other omega-6s that, that essentially prime your system to create inflammation, but you don't necessarily have all the things to help to squash it. So I wondered if you could speak about that. Talk about your TED Talk and the fact that you're advocating for women in a way that they haven't been. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was a journey and it was just this one specific moment where I always loved going back to. I was sitting in a board meeting and there were mostly men. I don't think it would have mattered if there were men or women, but I was sitting there. I dragged myself on this chair and I felt so miserable. And I really, the only thing I wanted to do was just lay on the couch and not do anything. I had some, I had such bad cramps and it just made me think. And I had so often my period, you know, and it was not like horrible, but like for a day, it was like painful. And I was so tired and just not really myself. And I always had it on those days where you really didn't want to have the important meetings and all those things. And it's like, why is it like not really socially acceptable that I would now just share with them of like, hey, I have my period, I'm here, right? But I might be more quiet. I might be a little bit less energized, but it's just because I don't, don't feel 100%. And I just found it so fascinating. And I was like, well, I'm probably not the only one, right? Or we had a company with 80% women working there. And 
I was like, why, like, why do we never actually talk about this? Why is it like this? Like, we kind of just like, we always pretend we're fine. I think we're really good at it as women. We're always fine. We just keep going. And that it was really for me this aha moment where I was like, well, you're not sick necessarily, right? It's just like you have your period. And I wanted women to give them the opportunity for every month, basically a day where we say like, you do what you can. So that might mean you just, some women have no problems. Great. For some women, they have, you know, major pain. They just like take a complete day off. Other women are like, hey, I just don't want to have any meeting. So it's really like a day, very flexible. We call it a moon day, but also really just to start the conversation and to really see, right, that I think we live in this time where women and men, we, you know, we try to be equal and kind of pretending to be the same. And, you know, we women enter the workplace that way. And, you know, we're like trying to be like men in a way. And I'm just kind of like, well, we are different. Let's not just accept that, but really, really celebrate it as well. So I think there are differences there. And it was interesting implementing it, right? Because obviously also men in the company were like, yeah, but 12 extra holidays. I'm like, no, no, they're not holidays. And the second comment is, but how can we control? How do we know it's not misused? And I'm just like a huge fan of like, hey, you have to trust. And in my experience, like women don't misuse it. They want to perform at work. And they're often very grateful for this. Sometimes this day of rest that they actually need so they can show up the next day, like very fresh and strong again. And, you know, just get back to work again. I mean, the hormone connection to our health is just something we can't deny. We as women go through these fluctuations on a monthly basis and then through a new transition as we become older. I'm 47. Well, I will have turned 47 by the time this airs, I should say. My birthday is next week. But I'm somebody who's actually proud of my age. I'm not intimidated by it. It's like, oh, guess my age and guess wrong, a little older, a little younger. I don't care. It's just, this is my age. This is my existence, right? I've been on this planet for 47 years and I feel grateful for that. Now, a lot of women my age, though, are starting to go through menopause. And I haven't experienced an iota of the symptoms that many women experience even leading up to menopause, like suddenly sudden shifts in how they menstruate or wider mood swings are more like what you might've experienced when you were entering your teen years. I mean, these things just haven't existed yet for me. And I really do feel like there's an element of diet and lifestyle that comes into this and that controlling inflammation is pivotal in managing health. And what we know across the board is that eating a mostly plant-based diet tends to be more anti-inflammatory, tends to provide a lot more support for your hormone system. But there are a couple of things that end up lacking that are harder to get. And I understand too, that with your super, you're working to bridge some of those gaps, but are there any particular supplements that you tend to lean on? Like, uh, how are you getting enough vitamin B12 as a, for example, or do you go to an omega-3 supplement? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I actually do. So I'm not a huge on a lot of supplements where there are a couple of things I take and that's definitely B12 is one of them. I don't take it continuously because it's something you actually store. And I'm also a huge fan of just actually testing of like where I'm actually low in and what do I actually need? Funny enough, I might, B12 is always actually pretty high. So. I'm good. So I take it occasionally, right? Just to like make sure it's like topped up, but I'm actually good there. I do also, especially during pregnancy and during breastfeeding, I found it very important to actually to take the omega-3 because it's not something I've always done. But especially during that time, I think it's so important to have just a little bit of extra 
And those are, you know, like really the main ones. I otherwise really, truly believe sometimes the vitamin D, but again, I only do that if I do a blood panel, blood panel and I'm like, oh, I'm low on it. Okay, let's, you know, let's take a little bit more. So I'm a huge fan of like really understand because we're all different. We're all individuals. So I'm always like, hey, let's check out what's actually going on instead of just taking everything. And I think we can get so much from our nutrition too. And then I think a huge thing with supplements, for me at least, is just to really understand where does your supplement come from. I think for me, that's to say, has been always the same with superfoods too. Not all superfoods are created equal. And I think that's probably even more true with supplements. There's so much, 95% supplements are synthetic that's on the market. A lot of people are not even really aware of what that actually means, right? It means synthesized. Right. Yeah. No, it's like, I always see question marks. It's like, what are you saying? So it's a marriage of more components to create a new molecule, essentially. So it's, it's synthesized from more than one like input, so to speak. And that's why vitamin B12 is so problematic because so much of it comes from, even if it's labeled as a vegetarian product, it starts out from component that is animal derived. So it's really questionable, right? That it's very hard to get vitamin B12 in a completely vegan source. And so we're presented by Orlo. One of the cool things about Orlo is that we're growing spirulina and the spirulina we grow at our aquaculture plant house in Iceland, it actually produces vitamin B12 and it's most bioavailable methylcobalamin form. And so we've integrated that into our immunity boost product, along with vitamin D3 and a smattering of B vitamins, because it's so powerful and helping to quash inflammation and also work to support your immune system along with those other components. So, you know, vitamin B12 supports natural energy production, ATP energy. So you feel a little better. It tastes good. You just spray a couple sprays in your mouth. But I mean, I just think it's so interesting too, where innovation is leading us because as a plant-based person, most plant-based people are really deficient in B12. So I find it a little surprising that you're somehow able to get enough, but kudos and great for you. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting, right? Because I think some people, it's easier to like different forms to still assimilate it, if I say that correctly, in their body. Yeah. So you must not have that methylation issue. Some people have that. No, exactly. So my husband who eats exactly the same thing, he is low. So it's so interesting to see the difference where I'm like, oh, you're like, you have to actually continuously supplement. And I'm like, I'm like, hi, I'm like, oh, I think I'm loaded, right? So it's so interesting to see. And it just shows, yeah, we're all different, right? Our bodies are different and it's important to understand them and what's, and what's going on. And you don't have to test every single month, right? But like, even just a once a year, if you check up of like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned tests in general, because, you know, one of the things that Orlo really, we believe too, is that people need to be aware of their omega-3 levels. And so we launched a tested by you campaign, and we're actually covering the costs of third-party tests, the omega-3 basic index test to verify your levels of omega-3s before you begin supplementing. And again, after four months of supplementation, so you can see the progress you've made. Because what we've found is that most vegans and vegetarians, and actually most people who don't supplement or consume fish three or more times a week, they generally speaking have levels that are between three and 4%. And the optimal levels for omega-3 index in your cells is eight to 12%. And at those levels, research shows that all cause mortality drops, which is, I mean, I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. Um, I transitioned personally to being mostly plant-based. And when I did just supplementing with a couple of soft gels a day, my levels were about 6%. 
And so I knew I needed to take a little bit more and I was able to adjust it, right? Um, and my reasons for stopping eating fish are similar to your own, but mostly surrounded on this one fact that almost all of the fish we consume today is farmed. And the way we farm fish is not actually great and not actually better for our health. There's even research that shows that farmed salmon increases your risk for cancer. And so again, you, people think that they're doing the healthy thing. They're eating the healthy food. They're, they're consuming salmon, which is rich in these omega-3s and it's gonna benefit them. But the way that it's cultivated and farmed, it goes from being a healthy food to something else that actually degrades our environment and does negative things. I just want to say it's not just health, right? It's just also for the environment. Like I think it's so interesting because obviously I think there is a little bit more knowledge on like, okay, if you, you know, if you eat meat environment, like, okay, it's not great. Right. But the fish. And I think for me also, and I forgot the name now of the movie that came out two years ago about fish conspiracy. And I mean, I was already plant-based, but I watch this movie and for anyone who doesn't fully understand the impact of the fishing industry it's absolutely blew my mind away even plastic right like 60 percent of the plastic in the ocean comes from fish nets and people don't understand that it's lost fishing gear it's fishing gear that gets caught away or torn away it's fishing gear that is disposed of because it gets too old and isn't working properly anymore. And they're out at sea. So as opposed to like taking it back home in a tangled net mess, they just cut it loose. And there's no way to really regulate against that. So most of the Pacific garbage patch is actually fishing nets. And it's terrifying to me. And this is like one tiny stat. So I mean, if you're ready for it and you want to learn, I think it's a Seaspiracy is a fantastic movie to watch. And we can eat closer to the source, right? Like spirulina and algae right it's like it's something like your omegas you don't need to get them from fish the fish do get them also from the algaes in the sea so like why not just actually get it from there it's so much more powerful cleaner and just better for your health at the end of the day 100 and that's what we're growing with orlo too so using nanochloropsis which is it's an algae that grows in um brackish water. We also utilize schizonochytrium, like basically giving you a spectrum of EPA and DHA that you would get from eating fish, but without the dangers associated with that. I also just interviewed, and you'd probably love this book, but I, um, this is on another podcast I host. I interviewed Simon Setra, who wrote The New Fish. And this is all about really the perils of salmon farming and the things that we have not done right. It was put out by Patagonia Press and Yvonne Chouinard actually reached out to the authors and said, I realize this is in Norwegian and it's being sold there, but the rest of the world needs to see this book. So he had it translated into English and it's now out and available. But even just like my mentioning earlier about the cancer incidents with salmon, there's a page in this book that actually shows advertisements where it looks like a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, but it has cancer warning, but it's all about salmon fishing and the farmed salmon aquaculture. So really interesting stories. This book is incredible. I recommend it highly. And if you're curious about that episode, it will be on the Care More Be Better podcast, which is my personal podcast. Now, getting back to your book, Super Life, there are a few things that I absolutely loved about your approach here. And so I want to bring this up because I think people are intimidated about getting into the kitchen often. They are worried that it's going to be hard or that they're going to buy all this produce and it's just going to go bad, right? But especially in the winter season, I always think it's a great time to go more plant-based because you have all of these 
foods that are available to you that make great compliments to soups and stews and that you can bake and really get creative with in that way. So you can bring out the kind of sweetness in a carrot in a new way, uh, just as a, for example. So there's one that I absolutely love. So I'm sharing this recipe on the screen. This is the tomato tofu platter. I made this before our interview because I always have loved caprese salads, right? And so this is essentially a vegan version of a caprese salad. The picture is dynamite. I worked to replicate it as closely as possible, but my tofu didn't look as nice. I think maybe my knife wasn't as good, but just absolutely beautiful recipes. Something as simple as how to make a salad bowl or how to roast vegetables. Both of those things are in here as kind of primers to help you discover how you can implement these easy fixes in your kitchen into your daily life and do meal prep, meal planning in advance. Like I love this picture, how to make roasted veggies. There was one year where I made a vegan Thanksgiving and invited my father over and it was the highest compliment that he said to me, I didn't miss the meat. So I got there through roasted veggies was one of the ways. Yeah. And they're so easy, right? You just throw them in the oven and you just like kind of just like do your other things you still have to do. You come back and your dinner is ready. And I think those sections for me that really right there, I call them kind of the how-to sections. It's to really empower people also. Like I think we often with cookbooks get hang up with like a recipe and I need exactly those ingredients. But I want to empower people. Like if you want to make a pasta, a curry or roasted vegetables with whatever you have in your fridge, right? You need like, how can you learn to like, just learn how to throw ingredients together with what you still have? And make amazing meals and like get comfortable experimenting. I often like just kind of go in the kitchen and I open the fridge and I'm like, hmm, okay, what are we cooking today? And sometimes I don't even know yet until I'm like already throwing things together. And I'm like, okay, this is what it's going to be, right? And I think it's something that is can be so fun as well. And that's really what I hope to do with those sections where it's like, okay, I'm going to give you the five big steps so you can actually by yourself, like understand, okay, these are the basic steps I need to follow, but I can switch out with whatever vegetables I actually have at home. Yeah. Well, and I will just say, you know, overall, once you learn some of these basics, it becomes easier to cook and you can get comfortable experimenting. Like I never worry if my vegetables get a little rubbery. That's just my call to make a soup. And, you know, one of the ways that women in Europe, I mean, I, I've learned this a long time ago when I was living in France, help to manage their waistlines is they will often say, oh, I have soup for dinner because soup can be soothing and filling and give you the things you need, but without being that thing that really sticks in your gut the same way. And also, if you think about it, a lot of Europeans, they eat dinner a little later. And so if you're going to have dinner at eight o'clock, you might actually want to have something that isn't so cumbersome and require so much chewing. Not to say I don't love a salad for dinner, but... <laughs> Not in the winter, though. So that's the interesting thing, right? There might be a hot summer day where you're like, oh, I totally crave this. And then in the winter, it's like, yeah, you want to have more of the comforting. And I think even breakfast is such a beautiful example of that too, right? In the winter, I always like, when it's a little colder, I'm like, I crave oats. And then in the summer, I'm like, I want to have the fruits and the smoothies. And it's like, it's so different. And I think it's just so important to really honor like what you're actually feeling and what you crave because your body is talking to you. And I think we often tend to look only to the outside and the experts, right? Of like, oh, they, but they tell me exactly, just tell me the plan, I'll eat it. 
And to me, it's just like, there are going to be days you're going to be eating more. There are going to be days you're going to be eating less, right? But it's going back to listening to you. It's your body. You know your body best. Learn to trust it again and learn to trust your cravings. And I think it's just like that kind of, it's like a softness almost is so important instead of only stressing about what you're eating, which I think often happens in the diet and the restriction culture that we live with food. Like enjoy what you're eating, right? It's like, there are like some really simple principles that I think can make a really big difference. I think the energy in the way you consume your meal is so important instead of feeling guilty about something. It's like, if you have a piece of chocolate or something, just like enjoy it to the fullest and feel great about it, right? And then the next morning you have your green smoothie for breakfast and it's great. And I think that it's all about balance, but it's like, it comes back to really listening to your, learning to listen to your own body again. Yeah, I think that is absolutely key. And it's something I trust too. I find, for instance, that if I eat, I love bread, I love a good sourdough, right? But I don't have it every day. And even though I would love to have sourdough every day, I find that when I eat it too frequently, I start to feel disconnected from my gut. And I don't know how else to explain it. I just feel like there's something missing. And so I don't eat sourdough as much as I would like to, because I know that even though, you know, it's not like I get the sniffles. Some people, if they eat wheat, they'll get the sniffles or they might even be gluten sensitive. I've done all the allergy tests. I don't have an allergy issue with gluten at all. Though I do have an issue with proteins that are present in quinoa and also buckwheat, which is really interesting, right? Especially buckwheat. I feel buckwheat is actually so easy often to digest. I even find it for my body, I feel like buckwheat is almost easier than oats. So they have different proteins, all these grains. And I was eating all of them, but found that like I had this specific cracker I really loved and that made me feel really horrible after. And I was like, why? What's going on? Like it didn't used to do this. So I took some food sensitivity tests and interestingly enough, the gluten wasn't there at all. Like gluten's no problem at all, but the proteins that are in certain other grains were problematic for me. And I used to consume things like quinoa salads. I love to make quinoa bowls with like some cranberries and lime juice and olive oil and salt and pepper and some shallots and just kind of like mix it all together. Loved it. Kale, you know, the whole thing. And I would bring it actually as my special salad I'd bring to potlucks and things like that, right? Over to friends' houses. And I stopped being able to eat it. I'm like, well, what happened here? Because again, sometimes your sensitivities can shift with time. If you overconsume something for a while, or if you consume a lot of it for a while, you can become sensitive to it and need to take a break. Well, my break seems to be semi-permanent from quinoa, unfortunately. But it's just now I know, right? And knowledge is power. And so sometimes food elimination and just stopping eating certain things can tell you. I suspected there was an issue with quinoa, but I wasn't quite sure. So I was still eating it in some things sometimes. Like even quinoa proteins are often in vegan protein blends. And now I find if I have some of them that my gut doesn't feel super great. Like I get a little bloating and then I feel kind of like I'll get almost a cold wave of chills over my body. And these are the triggers now I've learned to listen to. And so I can avoid those things and eat the right diet for me. And so that's just, I think the key message that we've been talking about is like, listen to your body and get to know what works for you. Nutrition can be really personalized to work for you. And then you can attain your best health. hundred percent. And I think what you said, right? I think sometimes people think it's like normal to feel tired or sluggish or bloated after a meal. And it's like, it's not, right? So it's like figuring out a way that you actually feel energized and you feel good after a meal is like everything. And 
you know, like I sometimes like people ask me, it's like, what well, I don't have any issues. Like, why would I change? And it's like, well, you might be only at like your 50% of feeling good. You don't even know the other 50% of how much better you can feel because you've never been there, but it doesn't mean it's not there. It's so I always just advise people like, don't let it come that far that you actually have health issues, right? Like listen to those smaller signs earlier on. And I think that's especially also because I often see that slightly older people are more motivated because they feel it so much, you know, more like clearly in their health versus young people are like, I'm invincible, everything, and I can do whatever I want. It's like, well, you can't, right? And it's like, really start listening to the small signs before they get bigger and bigger and louder and louder. And it's small changes make a big difference. And it's step-by-step. You don't have to change everything at once, but start with the fruit and veggies. Just start adding more of the right things. And it's funny if you focus on that, that sometimes like, oh, you're like, oh, this is actually really good. And I start to feel better. And some of the bad stuff then actually starts to fall away. So it's like a way more positive way of approaching it versus like only focusing on what can you not eat. So I'm always a huge fan of let's talk about what we need to eat more of. Yeah. And we hear the same message from Dr. William Lee as well, like eat the good things. Like look at these five things, five categories of foods that you can bolster your five health defenses with and use them, eat them, consume them, and you'll find that your health improves. So, I mean, I also think it's key to note that many of the recipes in your book, while they are very filling and nutritious, are also low density in their calories, which means like high density nutrition, not so full of calories. So it's easier to maintain or even lose weight when you shift to a diet that's more mindful of that. Yeah. And I think with weight, right, it's such an interesting topic. I think also it's when it comes to weight, I'm always a huge fan of not also there, not focusing on eating less, right? Start focusing on eating more of the right things. Because as you say, right, if you eat more of the right things, the volume I eat is actually relatively big. And sometimes people are very surprised. It's like, oh my God, is she eating all this? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm hungry. <laughs> Right. But they're actually, I'm getting like really, it's actually a diet that's very high in micronutrients and not necessarily super high in like fats and all the things that are actually not, you know, there shouldn't, some of the macros you shouldn't eat too many of. So it's interesting. We need also all the macros, right? We need the fats, we need the carbs, we need the proteins, we need all of them, obviously. And it's just interesting, like what your body does if you start to, if you start to give it real foods, right? Real whole foods. It starts to balance itself out. And suddenly if you eat all the fruit and vegetables, you like your micronutrients are higher and you're actually full. You actually feel full for the first time and you don't have to control yourself or something. So it's interesting. And I think it's, it's a journey and you can hear me talk about it, but it's something you really have to feel and experience. And as you feel and experience it, it just becomes easier and easier. Yeah. Well, one thing I'd like to remind people is that the foods with the highest satiety level, meaning they make you feel full, are proteins and fiber. And we need to not forget that vegetables actually have quite a bit of protein in them too. You mentioned you were eating a lot of hummus. Hummus has a lot of protein in it, right? And there are certain vegetables and a lot of fiber. And so it's hard to overeat it and also can provide a lot of nutrition. Foods with the lowest satiety index, guess what they are? I wonder if you know. Butter is one, and also nuts 
And so sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I'm going vegetarian and I'm just going to eat all these nuts. And, and you can overeat nuts quite easily. Macadamia nuts are one of the lowest on their satiety, satiety index. Walnuts are a little bit higher. But just generally speaking, if you cut out these two things and you eat more fiber and get more protein from plant-based sources or others, you essentially will feel more full. And believe me, I eat nuts. I put walnuts in every single smoothie I make because I just love the way they make it taste. But I also really, I'm a big proponent for things that contain omega-3s, right? And so I add chia to things. I make a pudding with chia and oat milk and just a little bit of vanilla that I absolutely love. Mm, That sounds great. I oat milk at the store. I still do from time to time, but I make it at home because it's easy to make and I can get non-GMO oats and I can soak them a little bit and put them in the blender and strain them and add a little maple syrup if I want some sweetness. Or even if I want to make it more savory, I could add a little bit more salt and some other spices and things like that too. So it's something that I find easy and kind of fun enables me to, again, manage my health and then make foods that my kids like and make treats that they enjoy that are more healthy for them than something that might come in a simple pudding cup, right? Yeah. And I think you said something very interesting, right? I mean, I think nuts, yes, you want to eat nuts, but don't forget about the seeds. I think seeds are so powerful. I noticed that my body reacts very different on seeds than it does on nuts. So I'm, for example, a huge fan of tahini, love tahini, but even just like pumpkin seeds, right? Like it's just like so interesting. Yes, the chia seeds, there's so many powerful seeds out there to incorporate into your meals. So don't forget about those. Yeah. We interviewed Dr. Joel Furman on this show. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he is mostly plant-based too. And he wrote this book called Super Immunity, calls himself a nutritarian, like that's his perspective. But he says, don't even use things like olive oil, which I I don't think I'm Italian. I don't think I can ever give up olive oil, but but I do actually use now, he has this recipe in his book for using things like pistachios and oranges and blending them together for salad dressing that can be quite divine. And I find that they're delicious. So my kids like it too. And it's getting them to eat more vegetables and more things like pumpkin seeds or or the other seeds that I would put into some sort of a dressing. So there's so many ways to do it. Get creative, get in the kitchen, enjoy it. And you'll find you feel better. It's kind of simple, even though it may sound like it's complicated. Okay, sure. You might have to go to the grocery store twice a week instead of one to get more produce or fresh produce, but your body will thank you. Your senses will thank you because you'll be sitting there preparing food that's divine. hundred percent. And and I think it's even something, right? Like in my book also, I have a grocery list. I think there's like your staples is something you can really like, you know, stock up on. And then it's the fresh stuff. And that can be actually pretty simple as well. Like you say, it's maybe like twice a week, but like go one time to the farmer's market already, which is just like, it's like fun, right? It's not even like real grocery shopping. It's just like super fun. And I, for a short time period, I had actually like an ugly fruit and veggie box that I would get once a week, right? And it always would get local, but like kind of surprised what I would get that week. So they're just like funny and interesting ways also to then get your produce if you have like your you know really like more your pantry already stocked up with the things you need to actually cook all the meals with fresh stuff yeah well i find that i always end up with my kids will go through periods where they just eat all the apples in the house right like the apples just disappear faster than i can even say boo right and then they'll go through a period where they just let them sit and so sometimes i end up with surplus on some of these things and 
one of the things that I like to do is break out my juicer when that's when I start to notice that because it can still produce a really great juice and it's fresh, it's clean, it tastes great. Mix in cucumber or mix in something like carrot or beet and make this really vivacious vegetable and fruit-based beverage, but then take the leavings from that and make a soup stock. So this is the season for that because, you know, it's cooler days and you start to crave things like soups, very rich in fiber, you're using the whole plant. It's not just ending up in compost. And I mean, it can be absolutely delicious. So I like to inspire that creativity as well. And then I just want to also say one of the things that I absolutely love as a treat is a good golden milk. And I appreciate that you included this recipe here. So this is from the book, Relaxing Turmeric Latte, Anti-Inflammatory and Stress Reduction Serves too, And it just uses plant-based milk of your choice, turmeric powder, cinnamon, Tulsi powder, which is optional, maple syrup, which is optional. I don't know if I would consider that optional. I think you have to use it. And a sprinkle of pepper. And this is really good. So thank you for that. Turmeric latte is always good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they call it different things in different places. Like Gaia sells a product that is ready for market. That's just a powder that you mix in, but they're so easy to make. And having these spices on hand will enable you to get more creative in the kitchen too. So I just recommend that. I think get creative, visit your farmer's market. I do that on Saturday mornings. And then midweek, I'm going to the grocery store to get a couple of things to pinch hit. But it really just is a lovely way to live. And I so appreciate the work. So thank you. Thank you. At this point in our conversation, I'd love to offer you the floor. If you have a closing thought or word you'd like to share with our audience. Oh, I feel like we went through a lot of different topics already. I think for I mean, for anyone listening, it's very simple. This is actually it just came up. And what Michael and me always say is like, if we can do it, you can do it too. And it's like, just take it one day at a time, one step at a time. And it, you know, the small changes make a big difference. So I just want to encourage everyone to maybe like even a little challenge tomorrow or whenever you go your next grocery shopping, buy a fruit or vegetable you normally wouldn't buy right? And try something new and experiment with it. So that will be my little challenge to end with. And I hope everyone really get their hands on the book and let me know what you think of it. Oh, well, I love that. Thank you so much for that. I actually implement something similar when I take my kids with me to the grocery store, which I don't do every time. It would make my life a little more complicated. But when I do take them, I'll say, okay, we're going to go to the produce aisle. I want you to pick something that you've never tried before and we'll cook it right? So one week, my son chose oyster mushrooms. He'd never had oyster mushrooms before. So we made a few different preparations of foods using oyster mushrooms. Another week, he stumped me. I had never bought this, but it was a Buddha's hand, which is a citrus. And it looks kind of like an octopus swimming through water, but like a lemon, right? It's got that pith and everything. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to then go, what do I even make with this? And it turns out you can use it in a lot of recipes that you would use citrus, right? Like so lemon, but it was so fun. And the thing that was really great about it is, you know, when you're, you have a lemon and you grate it to get some of that rind for whatever recipe you're making, right? Yeah. That you, sometimes you get to the juice too quick, like there's not enough of it. <laughs> With a Buddha's hand, there was so much. So if you wanted to make things like a lemon meringue or something like that, you could absolutely do that. But, you know, getting creative and involving your kids can really make it fun too. So thank you. It's so true. 
And I think mine don't go yet to Earth. One is still in the belly, so that one doesn't lean out. But uh, Leo is now a year old, so he just started eating. And what I've noticed also, because I think there's a lot of talk of like, how do you make your kids, you know, how do you make them eat healthy? And what I already noticed just at one year old is that he's like, he wants to eat what I eat, right? So I think it actually starts with looking what, what are you eating? What is in your plate? And then you can also talk, you know, to your kid because they're like, I'm sure a teenager might be different again, but now at these young ages, I think it's so much. It's just like, oh, mommy is eating this. Okay, I want this too. So I think it's just a really powerful tool, right? Of like, start with yourself and then set an example. Yeah, absolutely. Now to find your book, I know that it's sold on yoursuper.com. Where do you like people to go to pick up a copy of this book? Yeah, it's also on actually on Amazon. It's basically anywhere where you normally would get your book. So from Books a Million, it's in a ton of bookstores as well. So really wherever you normally would get your book, that's where you can get your super life. And then you can read, learn more, and just start getting creative in the kitchen. And all the recipes have optional superfoods. So it's something that, you know, if you want to incorporate some of those, you know, very powerful ingredients, you can, but it's totally optional. So it's really for anyone who just wants to eat more, eat more plants and feel better. That's awesome. Now you can go to yoursuper.com and find out more about the products that you helped bring into the world there. And I also know you and Michael have your own site. I think it's crystalandmichael.com. Is that correct? Yep. We have that as well. It's just more our personal updates of what's going on in our lives and not so many emails, but once you, once you get them there, I write them and you're just like, what's going on? More recipes. And that's also on Instagram. So it's just like very personal, personal things if people want to follow them. Yeah. So they can find you on Instagram at Crystal and Michael. I'll be sure to include links with all of these resources on our show notes at orlonutrition.com. Any other closing words, Crystal? No, that's it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been awesome. Thank you. To find out more about Crystal DeGroot, visit orlonutrition.com and our show notes. We will go ahead and include direct links to find her book as well as her website and Instagram. Now, as always, we do host this show with Orlo Nutrition. And because we're running this Tested by You program right now, you can actually go to the website and sign up for that subscription to receive a free test of the omega-3 index at your baseline. So you can start right away and get a sense for where you're starting as far as your omega-3 index. And then you'll get another test after four months. Now to get a bonus discount on this program or any of the products offered at orlonutrition.com, just use the code NWC for nutrition without compromise. Just NWC at checkout and you will get that bonus discount. If you enjoyed today's show, I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast. We do this as a resource to our community and to help educate you about all the ways that you can attain your best health. We really want to ensure that every day of your life, you're having more impact for your health and more impact for the planet. Thank you for joining us today on this journey. If you have questions, you can always send them to me by sending an email note to hello at orlonutrition.com or via social channels at Orla Nutrition. As we close today's show, I hope that you'll raise a cup of your favorite beverage with me as I say my closing words. Here's to your health.
Thanks for listening to Nutrition Without Compromise. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to learn more, visit orlonutrition.com and join our mailing list. You'll gain access to complete show notes, features, and informative blogs because nutrition shouldn't be an either-or.